0: With the corporate image of their respective sponsors in jeopardy, the, the, the shareholders rise up on their wrath. Three, two, one, zero.
1: Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Left in the Past, a subsidiary of Unsocialists LLC.
0: A subsidiary. Very nice. Yes. It's um, uh, one in a, a growing feature, uh, one feature in a growing list of uh, our uh, – what would you call those other than subsidiaries? Give me a synonym. Uh, uh, tiny –
1: Multimedia ext- – con- Multimedia – conglomerate expansions Excellent. i don't know yes that one <laughs> um, anyways this is a history leftism podcast where one of the hosts has a borderline neurotic need to uh torture himself with all the knowledge of all the times history has fucked over the left and the who? other host is this guy
0: <laughs> yeah um i won't i won't lie i'm a little nervous about this i uh i i you know, for a very long time, I when I was a when I was a, in college, I you know did the shit to get me a, a degree in video production, video editing, that kind of stuff. So I, that's where I've worked. But I also majored in um, in history, in studies of history. And most of the time, if you've ever been in a humanities uh, course or humanities major in college, like it seems more to be like a ideological training. Like it's it, it's 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 um, it's a very liberal and i mean that in you know the the way that we use it a liberal kind of atmosphere one where you're encouraged to think and to use your brains i guess to theorize but never to a material standpoint and it's you know uh, university in the year 2014 when i started going to uh the school that i ended at um you know what the type of the type of university? Obviously, it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's not the all about, caricature. All about,
1: all about the humanities rights, which more power. I mean, obviously, be pro trans rights, be pro uh, LGBTQ, of course, be yeah. pro racial equality, all that stuff. Absolutely, but also, you know, maybe maybe also be pro uh, not Workers. having exploitation of ninety nine percent of the populace. Yeah. Hmm. And that's. I mean I guess that is – that is at the end of the day the liberal centrists' kind of goal is we want to exploit everyone equally, mm-hmm. and I've made that joke many a time, and I will likely make it again.
0: Right, although but it yeah. does tend to be more materially on their sense, um, not exploiting people equally, definitely picking their ins and out groups, which is uh, kind of what we're going to end up hitting on today, that it wasn't necessarily just the conservatives who – or the people that we think of now as conservatives who led the charge in uh creating a world that is less or I should say more exploitative than it was previously.
1: What? But no, the the other the liberals are always the good guys. <laughs> and we all know neoliberal is just a fancy way to say new good guys. New good guy,
0: new good guy. Um yeah, so uh today, you know, the first thing I want to do, I want to I want to give us a little teaser, a little taster a little test on what we're going to go forth in the future. And so in this series, I really want to take a look at mostly American, but also European domination of the Global South. Uh, The Global South, their former colonial holdings, that kind of um, relationship, kind of talk about how, you know, we oftentimes think of ourselves as the good guys, at least in our popular culture and in our – certainly in our very basic understanding of history, we think of the United States – usually as the United States that, you know, for to whatever extent, defeated the Nazis, you know? Yeah, I
1: mean, Captain America is a signifier of how we actually perceive America in real life.
0: Exactly. We think of ourselves as Captain America. We think of ourselves as, at the worst, making mistakes when we have the right intentions, Um, which I think, uh, to anybody who's listening, is pretty obviously false uh the united states exists today as the inheritor the progenitor no not the progenitor you know the inheritor of empires that had come previously develops through early capitalist accumulation and empire and colonialism and so yeah,
1: we are the uh, we're the offspring of uh, what Britain was trying to do back in the 1600s six, and 1700s. R-
0: oh dude, you know what, before I get too far into it, I found out the other day there is apparently a living Stuart monarch, a guy who so the Stuarts were overthrown during the 17th century in England during their civil war and then Right before the Glorious Revolution, what they call the Glorious Revolution. There's apparently a guy who has a legitimate claim not just to England and its you know territories, but at that time when his family was ousted, also the Americas. So that's kind of – I'm kind of interested in the idea of having a, a neo-monarchist bullshit uh, campaign to bring this weird German-speaking dude from Bavaria over. Um, <laughs> just... Not for any purpose of governing, but definitely to just like give ourselves like uh, like a like a you're TV speak model. Your head. It's yeah. this
1: weird inbred dude.
0: <laughs> I I just want to have somebody that we get to make fun of that doesn't have any real power. I don't want to give him any money. He already has a lot of money, so but, just but have him come had over. Donald him. Trump. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Never mind. Just give it back to Trump. Make him. Make him. <laughs> don't worry. We will. <laughs> we certainly will. But back to it. So you're, you're exactly right. Uh, the United States exists. Largely as the uh, product of British Empire, you know, at the time of our separation, 1776 and all that, uh, we have a we already are kind of in a special relationship. The reason that we, of course, are allowed to separate and not be a colony similar to that of what they would eventually create in like India uh is in part because we were we were supplanting people we were supplanting the native population we were not uh i mean we were dominating them that is to say the white colonists were dominating them but the americans were uh they were themselves white europeans who had taken to the new and i mean this in the classical way liberal project the project of bourgeois republicanism Uh, and essentially establish their own separate kingdom in the wake of a larger, almost one would say, world war between the powers of England and France and their separate allies. So we are allowed to escape the immediate control of the crown in England, but we maintain a significant relationship, which we carry out through through all of our history up until the point where we are bankrolling them in the first and second world war that's why we joined especially the first world war is to make sure we got our debts back to our very special pal in england who for the last hundred and some odd 200 years had essentially been ruling all of the seas which we know is the still today the main thoroughfare of trade and the that gave them the kind of dominance to build the you know the sun never sets on the british empire kind of bullshit
1: yeah i mean and once we got what might be one of the most resource rich lands in history and then Mm -hmm. spent the next couple centuries decimating it into nothing we had all this capital all of a sudden that we could use to be the new players in a. The bankroll project. And of course, the French who helped us earn this land, we just said fuck you to them the moment the war- Revolutionary War was over. <laughs> yeah,
0: a little so, uh, bit. I mean, we were still a part of is, theirs, but like uh, definitely uh, as time went on, especially after the, you know, the revolution in France, uh, we, we can get into all this because I obviously love it. But um, but
1: yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the, the moral of the story is after a bunch of wars happened, America came out with all this capital and access to... Uh, power and Mm -hmm. riches.
0: yeah we had survived world war ii because we had never really been a target we were the ones with the productive capacity a huge population and a well-trained workforce that was uh pretty at the time of uh the end of the war you know uh pretty well organized but that was clamped down very quickly in in our second red scare um so it was capable. It was very easy for us to take up the mantle of the producing and controlling uh, power, if not at that moment the hegemon.
1: And of course, in that same process, because we had all this wealth that we could so excessively spread around that even our poor classes seemed rich by comparison, we could easily send the propagandist message of communism is the devil. Right. Because look how well capital is working for you guys right now. And it certainly won't go south in about fifty or sixty years. Don't worry about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. The snake will never actually get it's eating its tail now, but I promise it won't continue to eat that tail. It will not that, that eventually tail, that, eat that,
1: that its own tail. Neck. That tail will bit uh, of a little bit of a little bit of second little bit of a
0: little bit uh, uh, the we'll deal just you made is the right deal.
1: Its own tail. Don't worry; <laughs> that tail will never get digested. It's just going to sit perfectly content.
0: Well, anyway, I want to. I want us to in this series. I want us to talk about a lot. You know, American and European domination, the the beginnings of American empire, and kind of the relationships that we've had in this neo-colonial uh, system that we've been living under. Well, now it's probably a more global. Um, you might even call it techno-feudal. Uh, system that we're living under i won't try and give it a a, a perfect name because it's hard to t- it's hard to qu- name anything as it's happening but uh yeah. labels, i also
1: l- labels are always best put on the lens of history
0: right and i also will reserve the right because i am as we've already seen in this first 10 some minutes uh i'm very easily distracted when i'm reading about history so i will probably end up drifting sometimes into other topics that aren't directly connected to american hegemony and empire but Thank today we never
1: do that in our main feed episodes never no like, you'll never,
0: never hear me talk about this kind of stuff outside of these specific episodes i'm sure um, but today the, i want to uh, talk about um Uh, One of the biggest, and I think people have probably come across this recently because of the prominence of the author of the book that I'm going to be referencing for most of this, but um, I want to talk about probably the biggest American victory in the Cold War, and that is the 1965 coup in Indonesia, which uh, is well documented in Vincent Bevan's book, The Jakarta Method yeah uh and i have not
1: read this book at all so i get to be a stand-in for you the audience uh, (laughs) reacting on the fly to kyle's immense amounts of knowledge
0: i wouldn't call them immense i also uh besides the jakarta method i did do a little bit of research jstor searching and then also um i watched the documentary the act of killing an impressive documentary from 2013 it's um really hard to watch uh especially if you've been a victim of violence yourself i can't imagine uh the kind of hardship that it would be um it, it documents some of the perpetrators basically re- reenacting the uh the violence that they occurred in the that they they perpetrated in the uh in the genocide that followed the 65 coup and into 66 um but yeah, so Phil, how? Tell me what what do you know about uh, Indonesia?
1: I like, know that it is a country. <laughs> I honestly, I as someone who's not a history slash geography buff, who's never really, I, mean, I I've got to admit, I'm I'm a bad uh, leftist. My knowledge of leftist socio political amounts to what is happening right now in the world and what is happening in America, and anything like global history. No, I've got a big old black black hole there.
0: Well, you know that uh you know it's in a- Asia, correct? Yes. All right. Yeah. So, the, uh,
1: sorry, I should I should have been more a little more <laughs> clear. I'm not quite that ignorant, but I'm up there. I was gonna there. say.
0: I was gonna say. I think you know where, kind of vaguely on a map. Yeah, you no, can it's, uh, it's find in in it. like
1: uh Indochina area. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So it's south of uh, the country that we know now is like Malaysia. It's it's south of Singapore. It's north of. uh australia it's basically this huge archipelago is south of the china sea kind of sandwiched between the pacific and indian ocean um, okay so it's
1: actually kind of close to the hyper capitalist empire that is india
0: yeah and i mean that, i don't know i'll be honest i don't know a whole lot about india but it's um there's certainly a india lot of is
1: i know that india is one of the biggest producers of capital besides us that's to <laughs> yeah. the extent of my knowledge
0: <laughs> so there's a lot of um interactions especially farther back in history between uh cultures in China and India and around that area with the cultures that developed in what we now call Indonesia. Indonesia itself is uh you know it's a huge huge archipelago making up um uh, 13,000 islands and uh has somewhere in the realm of 270 million inhabitants across all those islands and that pardon me And that makes it the uh, fourth, I believe, fourth most populous uh, country in the world. A lot of them, a lot of the people in that country too are uh – muslim are of the islamic faith and so there's like this interesting push and pull between all of these cultures that have developed on different large and small islands sharing different relationships between those developing small kingdoms on them developing their own languages or variations of the same language there's a lot of different dialects involved and some most are mutually intelligible but there's also people who are ethnic chinese who have a completely different uh uh language system involved there were the dutch colonials who eventually they they arrived in the uh, 17th century uh through the dutch east india company as the burgeoning mercantile proto-capitalist state was sending out more and more of its traders and protestant reformers uh into the world um so
1: Sounds like the kind of place that the Libs would want to take and split up into like 12 countries and well, say, oh, there it is. It's fixed now. Well, we there's the thing.
0: Yeah. If you do the, the, um, what, what you call, uh, confessionalism in that sense, where you break it up into small pieces, do the thing that they did with like Pakistan and India. Um, and that's been, uh, that was a, a, uh, a real question. And I'll get to that in a little bit, whether or not they remain organized. But, um, <clears throat> I want to get in to uh, kind of the main deal. I'll give you a little rundown of the background of this, this archipelago. So Indonesia, as we know, um, many different cultures, many different languages, many different ethnic groups. Uh, what really united them was the Dutch colonial rule. And so when the Dutch arrived, they created what... You know, through the Dutch East India Company and through which the, I've
1: always heard was called the East India Trading Company. Or is it's that a probably
0: thing? so. There's the East India Trading Company, which is a British affair, and then the Dutch East India Company, kind of different. Basically, during the 17th century, uh, there were a lot of joint ventures that were going on between the two countries. But in this case, we're going to be simplistic and just call it the Dutch East India Company because it was Righto. necessarily connected to the Dutch uh, government, the Dutch Republic. And so this archipelago oh, this archipelago, it's it's rich in a lot of different resources. Today we know it a lot of, you know, there's rubber, you know, there's uh oil. It's a big mineral rich place, but at the time in the seventeenth century, it was a very big spice region. You know, this is where you get your yeah, eggs, before fossil fuels. Get, we right. actually
1: cared about food and you know, good quality stuff and actually and the few so chemical a few non-chemical substances out there we could use to actually make people not smell like ass
0: right not smell like ass but also uh make a shitload of money because that's the whole yes. de- deal obviously
1: well uh, that, yeah that's that was the incentive of the people they 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 said it was for you to not smell like ass but in their brain it's for them to make shitloads and boatloads of money as you said
0: right and so they kind of create what now called indonesia by calling it the dutch east indies you know they set up their main ports of uh, control one of which being called batavia which is now as we know the capital of jakarta and uh yeah it's essentially the uh, it's a similar system as what you saw in the west indies you know it's it's not necessarily a settler colonial system like we have here in america or we have in uh, south africa you know where the whites essentially live there and uh, in america certainly supplant the native population this is still a population that exists uh to be exploited without the coloni, the colonial the colonists the settlers living there for forever uh it's similar to kind of how the british treated india um So they're there for hundreds of years, something close to I would assume – I think right around uh, 340 years is is where Dutch colonial meddling uh, exists. And of course they bring all the other things that uh, a a burgeoning capitalist state in the early modern period and into the modern period have. It's slavery. It's uh, some small – development practices but mostly it's yeah. uh domination and it's it's got
1: to make sure that imperialism keeps the systems afloat otherwise absolutely. everything might fall apart right
0: yeah i mean it, it's <laughs> clearly saying, these,
1: this country wasn't operating until uh the imperialists hmm. showed up to help right
0: i heard a, a, a really cool little thing is that uh if you've ever heard of jung he, who is a uh do you ever know you ever hear about the um what is it the uh Jeez, it's I, the, a, I'm,
1: I literally know Zhonghe from uh, – like I know the name, and it's from uh, the Dynasty Warriors video prob- game.
0: Yeah, because That's he was said, the – uh, I, I don't know
1: anything about the backstory. The Treasure
0: <laughs> Fleet or whatever it was called. He, he went to Indonesia, of course, and he was a Muslim, and so it was part of his – it was supposedly by – uh you know by kind of the 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 mythology that brings people to accept you know believe where their communities come from and it may be well true it's closer to it's probably closer to truth than a lot of our myths um but he uh went to indonesia of course before he supposedly sailed off into the middle of the pacific and disappeared trying to find some cool place um but interest interesting aside aside um where was I? I was talking about how the Dutch are existing there, basically uninterrupted rule, obviously dealing with the same kinds of issues that you see in America where there are uprisings, there are those sorts of things. But they maintain an imperial domination until the 1940s. And of course, the Netherlands themselves, the low countries, them in Belgium, they get absorbed immediately immediately in Hitler's rush into France. And so they can't really maintain any of their colonial holdings, just like France can't maintain their colonial holdings, leading to what we now know as Vietnam breaking away from French Indochina. And so by 1942, the Japanese who were running rampant across the Pacific, they had fucking knocked out uh, Pearl Harbor, even though America probably wasn't all that interested in doing anything like
1: Oh no, I mean we we just needed a scapegoat.
0: Right. So America, I don't think America would have joined in the war in oh, yeah, The citizenry, in the citizenry unless, was
1: not it worried about it, but well, we needed that, it as soon as there was an opportunity for it to be a, a capitalist wartime venture that we could get the people impassioned for.
0: Right. I think the only thing that would have gotten us into Europe is our debt similar to World War 1 because we have like a massive German population in America. At that time, still people were using German as a first language or reading German newspapers. Um, the, if, if Hitler hadn't felt the compulsion, Hitler and his military brass and the people running the Nazi party hadn't felt the compulsion to follow in up on their Japanese treaty, um, we probably wouldn't have gone into Europe even if we had started a war in the Pacific um, is my assumption. I don't know how how right or wrong I am, but that's hey, probably that's more what right I think. than
1: myself. I, uh, I, I I have a very limited view on that, so I'm going to take your uh, take your opinion as a very good one.
0: <laughs> so, in perspective, any case, not even opinion. Well, yeah, it's not <laughs> whatever in, different whatever <laughs> it is. It's it, it's a thing that I think I know, but maybe I don't know. Um, so, the Japanese, of course, as they expand, they take over places like the Philippines. They take over the islands in the Pacific, and they take over Indonesia. Um, at first, you know, people are thinking that it's going to be kind of a a good thing. You know, there's a burgeoning, there's, there has been a burgeoning independence movement, at least since the twenties of the, the 1920s. This is a, an independence movement, mostly headed up by youths, people who had gotten, uh, you know, uh, university educations, a lot of them in Europe, in the Dutch metropole, um, But uh, they had broken away from the earlier uh, generations because the earlier generations were like, well, I'm from the kingdom that is based in the island of Ambon. I'm going to be for Ambonese independence. And I am from Java, so I'm going to be for Javanese and Sumatra and all of these other little islands and little kingdoms wanted their own individual uh, independences.
1: Yeah, I mean, as usual, the younger generations have a, a pretty strong sense of what might be a good move for the bigger picture.
0: Right. These this younger generation headed by a figure we'll come to know la- better later called a man named Sukarno, 5 foot 7 dude, pr- looks pretty good in a fez. Um, he and the youth movement and the independence movement allied to it, oftentimes finding a lot of support in communist and leftist uh groups in europe as well as back in uh indonesia after those ideas and those texts were brought back to those people um they thought of this as a unified struggle one that they could be stronger if they set aside you know keep your individual individuality keep your cultural uh aspects keep your uh, your religion and keep your ethnicity and keep your language yeah, but there they're is something to shut down
1: culture they're just trying to enhance the experience of the common man
0: exactly they're trying to create a stronger block and one of the things that they do do um you know you keep your your first language you keep that language to that your Ambonese or your your uh, javanese or whatever you use but they were creating something called the bahasa indonesia which just translates as indonesian language and that was something that they used to help unite people in their struggle against the dutch and so they thought that uh they might get something out of the japanese but obviously the japanese had their own kind of pseudo fascist uh system militarized imperialism that you know uh shifted anybody who wasn't either japanese or white far down the totem pole there was a lot of supremacy involved in their uh idea in the ideology proposed and supported by the japanese military of the time And so there was, of course, similar to what happened in China, um, there was a lot of violence, a lot of rape, a lot of uh, essentially trading one oppressor for another. But near the end, near the end of the war, when Japan was facing the threats of firebombs in Tokyo and people being vaporized in Hiroshima and in Nagasaki – there was kind of a spiteful uh, little independence drive that they did. They 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 handed off some extra power to the people in first the island of Java and then the other islands of Indonesia. E- essentially to fuck with the Dutch, right? Like essentially yeah, I mean, to be like, if you try and come back here, you're going to have some issues.
1: It's uh, – I mean it's a uh, convenient way to set things up and if only uh, – I'm, I'm sure it worked perfectly. I mean
0: mm-hmm. –
1: and the grand picture of history
0: honestly though
1: i mean if, 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 at least in a median sense it yeah. seems like a-
0: in an immediate sense yeah kind of <laughs> because of course similar to how um if you know anything about the vietnam war it started when the french tried to reassert their colonial domination of french indochina of lao of vietnam of uh they didn't have thailand that was a british Affair, but you know what i'm talking about that area um a similar thing happened there happened in indonesia is that the dutch uh the dutch tried to return and tried to establish colonial control again and this was uh it was it was a failure you know the dutch similar to everybody on in europe similar to france they had very little resources after World War Two. The only person that really could do anything was America. And America at the time was still kind of wary, still unsure about whether or not they wanted to get involved too heavily in reasserting colonial power f- on behalf of the uh, people of England or, or, you know, the governments of England or Netherlands or France. Um, we, of course— played with it you know we'd arm uh certain groups we'd try and uh set up anti-communist blocks and support them militarily or with money or whatever um but we weren't entirely uh, that is to say the united states wasn't entirely sold on whether or not they should get involved directly
1: but i mean it sounds like f- At at least at this point in time, uh, whether it was from the Dutch or the Japanese, Indonesia was uh, in a pretty bad bad spot.
0: Yeah, um, you could say that. I think that that's a fair assumption. But it also, despite the fact that there was this time of struggle, it meant that people were again confronted by the fact that separated, they could be dominated. But together, through this kind of unity ticket that sicarno and his uh youth movement and the independence movement offered they could be successful you know they could they could take this country they could take their islands and have control over them
1: yeah so they kind of hit a breaking point where they decided we're done being oppressed if and if we make some uh collective efforts we can stop this
0: absolutely And so this is – after a while, um, the Dutch are repelled. They're repelled by a coalition force that's headed by this figure, this Sukarno. Um, At least he's more like a founding father is how Vincent Bevins describes him. He's more like a founding father than than necessarily a – he is a political figure, but it's less like a functionary and more like a head of state. Um, He's – by his own reckoning, a nationalist, a a grander nationalist, you know, he's a person who believes that 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 the differences in ethnicity and culture in Indonesia were far less important than the things that tied them together, and that um, really, I think, is what created such an incredibly strong movement that was able to repel the Dutch, even though if, at first it was like a co-rulership. Co- Deal, but by the early 50s indonesia was entirely independent had cut all of its strings right and this is an interesting thing because he's tying together not just like independence groups as you might think of them in a in a european sense he's not thinking of just the people who are um he's not just thinking about College-educated, university-educated yeah, people. He's, you know, he's
1: it's like it's like unifying the left and the right. The you know, uh, in this country, oh yeah, we can get the rednecks and the college-educated libs to all get along. Weird, what we can do with a com- communist structure? Crazy <laughs> that. Too bad it would never work in America.
0: Never work in America. <laughs> Admittedly, though, he's um, he's not necessary. He's not a uh, though he has some. I would say maybe sympathies or maybe. Um, if not sympathy, certainly he's open to a lot of the ideas offered by the communists in Indonesia. He's not a communist himself, which is partly why the uh, United States was so okay with him being the head of this movement. You know, he was going to be the head of this movement, but the United States certainly at the beginning did was like, yeah, that's fine.
1: CIA him. Yeah, they didn't, didn't exist yet. But at well, least, least not at that The 60s did, yeah.
0: Um, so this Sukarno guy, he's – in charge he's taken control uh well taken control he's been elected as the head of a parliamentary government um he kind of exists as this head of state who balances the different groups of like islamic uh faith uh independence groups um communists themselves and union organizers and then intellectuals and then just regular people Uh, essentially uh as i've Spoken about, there's this other. Sukarno acts as like a balancing act between all of these groups. And he heads the government from the early 50s, the late 40s, until 1967, when eventually he is of no further use to the coup government and traded out for the new leader. But in that meantime, he did step out onto the international scene. Through the 50s and 60s, Sukarno and his cabinet, made up of mostly people from kind of a Kind of center left union backed uh, coalition, you know, uh, the kind of stuff that most governments, most real bourgeois democracies, places that have parliaments, um, they have to build coalitions. And so they have a coalition that makes up a lot of different groups, but one, which is incredible Bernie like.
1: Sanders movement.
0: Yeah, but more. More like the actual left has real control as opposed to just this one person, one vote type stuff. Um,
1: So a Bernie Sanders movement, but in a country where they hadn't completely taken over the definition of democracy.
0: Right. And one of the biggest uh, supports in his his coalition is a party called the PKI, and that stands for the the Communist Party of Indonesia. I won't try and –
1: pronounce the words that are in a foreign language yeah I, i get you there uh
0: and so the pki which is um rampantly popular you know they take part in the independence movement and they get people a lot of the benefits that they see in their regular lives um is obviously an issue to the uh the united states but Sicarno, throughout his balancing act, is capable of keeping them separated from the executive functions of government. So thankfully for Americans, you don't need to worry about them being involved too heavily worry, in the military. The communists
1: won't have any actual power. Right. The,
0: <laughs> the communists in the army, they're mostly, like, lower-level officers. Don't worry about them. It's not that big of a deal. One of the things that really pissed them off is that during the 50s and 60s um, – especially in the post-Stalin kind of days, whenever there's a kind a third world movement, there's this thing called the non-aligned movement also developing along those lines. Uh, And headed by that, headed in some way, maybe I could say not headed because there are other people like Nkrumah and there are people across the globe, across third world nations, so-called third world nations that are equal... Partners to the non aligned movement. But one great event happened that was certainly a Sukarno original, and that was the Bandung Party, uh, Bandung Conference. And that happened in 1955, where there was also an election year in Indonesia. Uh, In 1955, this gathered a bunch of people from across the globe, people who were delegates from places in Africa and Asia, as well as, you know, at least spiritually if not actually getting delegations but getting support for and from people in Latin America
1: so a chance for people to act the chance for the the left groups of a country to all actually get together and be like let's hash this stuff out and start organizing uh how we want this country to run in a way that benefits the people
0: right and how we want to see it's it's like a a uh uh kind of a copy of the UN if it wasn't dominated exclusively by the interests of, of the capital. security council yeah
1: yeah so it'd be like if the un was a bunch of you know actual hmm. normal folks and not you know rich assholes and the super powerful
0: right and in 1955 they decided that they wanted uh they they supported essentially the the un's versions of human rights but also demanded that these rights be recognized for the post colonial subjects That's basically what they were doing, Um, and that pissed the hell out of the United
1: States. (laughs) They were probably thinking, oh, it's about time for the CIA to start doing their CIA thing.
0: Right. They were trying to – yeah. Essentially, any kind of act of neutrality was an act of – it was an offensive act to the United States who had that iron curtain, who had that – what, would, what did Truman call it? It was a, it was a strategy of containment. who
1: If you don't actively hate the Soviets, then you're a Soviet you're yourself. A, yeah,
0: exactly. You're already a communist basically to them. And this is following – this is a year after Jacobo Arbenz was overthrown in Guatemala. So the CIA is feeling their nuts and thinking they're pretty cool and they can go ahead and try something else. And I won't get into it, but people should look up a man called Frank Wisner – a CIA uh, officer, an agent that was very highly involved, also ended up popping his head off with a shotgun, uh, but a piece of absolute shit who was just insane during the 50s doing CIA shit. So everybody should look up Frank Wisner, spelled W-I-S-N-E-R. Give it a shot. It's kind of funny to figure him out. But
1: Yeah, I mean, as long as you don't mind. You know, hearing about a guy popping his head off with a shotgun. Yeah, that should I be, maybe if, give him if, if that's triggering to that? for you, then, you know, <laughs> oh, obviously keep your distance. <laughs> uh,
0: Otherwise, yeah. I mean, I think about it every day, so it's like, you know, nothing off uh, Yeah, me. well, we're, Water we're, off we're my special
1: back. kinds of depraved and depressed, Kyle. We can't <laughs> put that on all our listeners.
0: <laughs> but anyway, so the same year that, as the Bandung conference, there is an election, and the CIA do their normal stuff. They try and support this, like, right wing, right wingish uh party. It's like the, a larger party that's tied to a lot of islamic groups basically um uh kind of a confessionalist party called the masyumi party uh it does kind of fine like not fantastic just normal um but in the same year the pki who has been gaining subject not subjects but gaining supporters all over the the different islands basically by providing you know Free education, free meals, supporting people, doing the kind of mutual aid that is really – It's almost
1: like those are popular policies.
0: <laughs> I mean everybody, almost everybody, uh, sh- it should be said, was very supportive of the communist, the PKI, which at that point was the third largest communist party in the world, uh, just behind the Soviets and the Chinese, of course. Yeah, there's a
1: kind of a population disparity there, there's so. Two big guys.
0: Um and also those two ran up, but in that year they did. Be- the PKI did better than they had ever done before, with seventeen percent of the vote. So that was like, oh shit, they're getting even better.
1: Yeah, imagine, imagine communists getting one point seven percent of the vote in America. Uh, That'd be
0: fantastic. <laughs>
1: even that, yeah. We have such low standards, and still we get nothing.
0: <laughs> still we get nothing. Um, essentially, there's also there's there's a backlash. You know, the Masumi uh maybe was less less reactionary than some of the others and so specifically on the islands of java and sumatra there's a, a rebellion that kind of it's sectarian motivated and it has a lot of things that are basically saying fuck you we don't like all of these things i know you weren't going to do uh, land reform which made us feel great but now you're doing other things that we hate so they rebelled against sukarno and against the indonesian government and the united states supports this rebellion against the indonesian government this is called the PRRI rebellion. I won't go into the acronym, but you can look it up. PRRI. Uh these rebels were pretty pissed off about the lack of kind of that that old that old issue that had supposedly been resolved during the independence struggle, which is they wanted regional autonomy. They wanted those old divides Recast, And this is something that, of course, our liberals in the – I guess at this point still the Eisenhower uh, administration, who we all know is still somehow thought of as a good guy. Uh, But also there's a lot of crossover into the following Kennedy administration and Johnson administration. Uh, But they wanted to do the confessional thing. They wanted to break everything up. And so the Americans – are sending guns and ammunition. They can trace these fucking bazookas back to a plant in Michigan. It's very obvious where all this material is coming from.
1: But America would never intervene on, on another country's freedom. We we are no, we're no, all no, about no. trying to preserve the freedom the countries already have in place. We would never try to oppress our governmental regimes on another country. Yeah, we
0: don't do coups here. We don't do coups in this country. Um at least as far as my CIA handler tells me to say.
1: Oh, well, at least he he seems like a trustworthy – I mean he's a first-person source. He knows straight from the CIA that we don't do coups.
0: Dude, he doesn't even wear a tie anymore. He leaves the top button unbuttoned. Seems like a relatable dude. So cool. But in 1958, (laughs) essentially that rebellion enters another phase. It's not just a ground war. There's bombing techniques going on, and these bombs generally are falling on – Shipping vessels, military vessels, uh, but eventually it turns into a bombing of civilian targets. And this on May night in in May on May fifteenth, these explosions hit a market, killing both morning shoppers and Ambanese Christians attending church. And this is a direct quote. That was a direct quote from uh, Vincent Bevan's book. Three days later, Indonesians managed to shoot down one of these aircraft, and this pilot. Ejects and escapes the, uh, the, the, you know, escapes the fiery hell that he should have probably gone to, but he gets trapped. He's hanging from his parachute from a, uh, palm tree and people catch him. And they find out that because he has all these damned, uh, identifying papers, he's a CIA agent from Miami, Florida named Alan Pope. Who knows whether or not that he was carrying those, um, Essentially, at the same time, you know, it's like all capitalists, like all things that are eating its own tail, there are these internecine struggles going on. There's. Yeah, so it's impossible
1: ins- it to know whether it was a, a very just a normal CIA guy with a bunch of identifiers on him or something else was. A foot.
0: Well, he's definitely way, he CIA. Clued, CIA related. Yeah. He's definitely <laughs> CIA. The issue is whether it's like, are we giving, are we telling people to carry these things so that we can discredit the guy who's in charge right now? His name's Howard Jones. He's an ambassador, and we think that he's too yeah, friendly. He's just a
1: rogue CIA agent. That's, well,
0: uh, that's here's the deal: is they think that they they basically embarrass the shit out of Howard Jones, the ambassador, because they never let him know anything about this, but he is essentially. He's basically a patsy. He's like doing the fake. Oh, I had no idea. Fucking deal. I I don't know. Vincent Bevan's book is fantastic. It goes into all of this stuff. It's f- perfect if you want to know about kind of the the silly little, you know, dick measuring context that they do in the CIA. It's also it's great, especially early midway through the book. Um,
1: Honestly, that's the only re- that's the only reason America hasn't like fully cooed the entire world is because our cia is too busy also eating its own
0: tail right they're too busy uh having headaches and uh getting free health care for them <laughs> but you know it, it, essentially they they follow this up Sukarno. Cocaine.
1: now i need uh, <laughs> now i need the government support
0: dude i want it oh they should give me uh
1: can i get can i get the cocaine and the government support yeah
0: pretty please um <laughs> But anyway the so like in concert with these you know they've been shown very obviously to be meddling this guy's put on trial um the United States is is embarrassed correctly so embarrassed on a on a national and international scale but Sukarno knows that he's not powerful enough to step away he's still ahead of the non-aligned movement he can't necessarily Just join with the soviets he's trying to balance and trying to carve a new way where indonesia can develop on its own to an extent and so he remains at least in some small uh sense uh connected to the u.s and so the united states sets up this Wonderful little partnership. They're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we tried to, you know, we bombed a bunch of people on your islands. I'm sorry, we were just, you know, supporting an act of rebellion that you've quelled now. Uh, But how about this? How about this? What if your army officers came over to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, and we'll teach them all the cool stuff that we know since we're the most advanced military in the world?
1: What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, I'm sure that the intent there is just. All in good good nature.
0: The biscuits are great. The butter is melted. Uh, everybody's enjoying going to the strip clubs over in the Missouri side of the border. Things are fantastic. Um, and they're definitely not going to be ideologically trained to support the United States and maybe get bribed too. Oh, wait. I that mean, happened? The
1: United States? No. We, we we would never use our massive amounts of wealth to abuse uh, the systems of other countries.
0: Right. So obviously um, we're being a little facetious. They did in fact get bribed. They did in fact receive money payments. They did in fact set up uh, relationships with both CIA and State Department handlers, people who could feed them information or could feed them suggestions as to what would get – them more power more money more influence when they arrived back in Indonesia and of course while all of these army officers are being trained in Fort Leavenworth Kansas Sukarno doesn't just stop governing and neither does his parliament at that time he was trying to expand his kind of universalist his unit his unifying message there was um during the 50s and early 60s a lot of independence movements that were going on throughout the world we obviously if you ever get a chance um, looking into specifically uh, the the um, Kenyan uh, independence movement was something that sent me further down uh, the further down the rabbit hole of kind of left left left-leaning revolutions and kind of figuring out a bit more about how anti-colonial struggles fit into them Um, But throughout that, there's also, of course, in Asia, uh, anti-colonial movements, and one of such existed in both – well, one of them existed in a place called Malaysia on the island of Borneo. Now, Borneo, the island is largely, mostly controlled by Indonesia, but the very northern tip is uh, Malaysia. It's now Malaysia. Which was a former colonial uh possession of the British Empire, and which at that point was kind of being leisurely phased into a neo colonial situation with their previous uh colonial benefactor or I should say colonial controller uh yeah, their, their handler <laughs> yeah their handler again um Um,
1: But but anyway, so we've still got – but we've still got Sukarno doing his thing, and I'm sure that – I mean I'm not much of a history guy. We've already established this, but if I know anything about the United States, our tactic was, well, clearly the people like the Sukarno guy. We better just leave him alone.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. We just left him alone. He was out there uh, fucking with Malaysia, which is where a lot of uh, these newly – minted uh army officers coming from the u.s kind of got cut their teeth got to cut their teeth and they uh did it with um, a guy named suharto another trainee um who will come to meet later um he, they did the same deal with west new guinea which was another target formerly owned, uh, operated i believe as a colonial as a colony of i think the dutch Oh, I think it's the Dutch that ran West New Guinea. Um, he basically tried to create this unifying nation, this unifying nation building. Some called it imperialist, which was pretty rich coming from the West, um, but essentially trying to br- grow this Indonesia, grow this this kind of almost, uh, you know, nationalist struggle that was going to be built up against previous domination by the colonizers and by 1965 you know he had hung out Sukarno had hung out with uh, Che and uh, Fidel he had set up relationships with Ho Chi Minh and uh, on the islands of Indonesia the population 25 percent of the population was affiliated with some group that was affiliated with the PKI the communist party and so there's A growing tide of communism and pro worker, uh,
1: super far left ideology.
0: Exactly. This kind of ideology that's dominating the Indonesian group. It's weird how
1: once you unify all the ignorant uh, rednecks who would normally be right wingers under a cause of (laughs) let's make all the working class people happy suddenly they can support the left. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy how that works.
0: It's crazy when you pay attention to people's material needs and pay attention to, you know, there's obviously identitarian important. Things are important in in identity, but the most important tends to be whether or not you can put food in your mouth and put food on the table have, of your family. And
1: have a roof over your head, yep.
0: Right. Uh, and if you provide those things and if you provide uh, education and if you provide Uh, a a space for people to become more fulfilled materially they're willing to meet you on the other issues Um, so i mean
1: i know i live in the present day and so maybe i'm wrong about this because for some reason it doesn't seem to quite sync up but i'm guessing the united states looked at that and said we should do this unity thing too here in america and then we all lived happily ever after
0: that sounded way better actually we should have done that we should have done that uh
1: some re- for some reason it doesn't quite seem to sync up with actual present day
0: and so now so what,
1: what really went
0: down yeah instead of taking a lesson from sukarno and the pki we uh we decided to destroy them uh this brings us to our ultimate destination and that is the 1965 coup um and the mass killing that followed it um at the time uh, – so Doing
1: a genocide? No.
0: <laughs> who'd have guessed? Um, so obviously genocide is a very loaded term. People have different definitions for what necessarily constitutes a genocide. I think that it's fairly obvious that this – if you want to call it a politicide, I think you're splitting hairs, but it's it's certainly a genocide. It's killing
1: a bunch of people because you want to take control of a situation. Right.
0: by their identity and by their political – uh influence um I, I
1: feel like at the end of the day killing a bunch of people for any reason is generally pretty not great yeah
0: genocide <laughs> yeah just bad in general um but essentially this mass <coughs> these mass killings targeted uh communists ostensibly con- all of these people were communists but it also targeted feminists union members and just about anyone who stood in the way of there was still a black market. There was still a lot of gangsters. There are people who lived in these. You know, if you've ever seen a country that's been ravaged by colonial domination and poverty, there's going to be kind of an under an undercurrent of crime, and that that makes enemies. And so those enemies could be targeted. Uh, following a letter, uh, essentially a British ambassador uh, to Jakarta. Wrote a letter that may or may not have been kind of released on a uh, fortuitous uh, at a at a time that they wanted to release it. Um, people began to believe that there was a coup against Sukarno brewing, and there were a lot of um, you know supporters of uh, of Sukarno in the military, and these military guys were like, "Hmm, I think we want to make sure." That everybody stays – that Sukarno sticks around. And so we don't know really know exactly what what happened at this point. We really only know about the aftermath. Mm. But there's something called uh, the – That happens a lot in history. Right, exactly. There's something called the September 30th movement. And this September 30th movement um, was a – essentially it was a a, a plan – devised by a group of army, armed forces officers, mostly in the army, to gather the uh, generals that had been very supportive of the United States and very supportive, uh, namely, of their, their position in the Cold War and essentially say that they were going to cause a coup in favor of the United States for, you know, against Sukarno. And so they collect these guys. They se- separate in seven teams to pick up seven generals. And six of the teams returned, correct. you know, and got them. Uh, but one team did not make it. And that was the team that was aiming to get the commander of all of the armed forces, now Sition. Uh, I'm sure I'm fucking up that name. In any case, you know who he is. The main guy. He gets out. And they think, like, okay, somebody go tell Sukarno we got the guys who were plotting this coup who we thought were plotting this coup. Um, and Sukarno's like, wait, what? What's happening? He wakes up really early at night because this is all happening very late, very late on September 30th. He gets up. He's like, okay, okay, I'll head over to this airbase where you're holding all your prisoners. And by the time he gets there, they're all dead. All these generals have been murdered outright. And he's like, oh.
1: Well, I guess uh they you said they were doing a coup thing.
0: they were doing cool. a coup, right? yeah, um, and one of the officers that may have been tipped off, we believe he was tipped off, Suharto. This is a guy who cut his teeth in West New Guinea and did the Malaysia operation. He is a uh strident anti communist. He sees this as an opportunity, and he takes this opportunity to send his loyal officers out. you know there's plenty of people in the Fort Leavenworth. Trained Indonesian armed forces who are willing to go out and say whatever they want because they know what the CIA wants. Uh So they go out.
1: We we stopped the coup, but it accidentally left room for the fabled double coup.
0: Yeah. So uh, I'll I'll get into it in a little bit. But my theory on this is that it was a black flag. Um, But the essentially he sends out people Suharto sends out people to into the countryside, saying that this is a coup that wasn't planned by the uh generals on behalf of the United States, but this was a coup planned by the communists, essentially to overthrow Sukarno, who had been blocking their path to power and yes, so the
1: communists who had been growing in power immensely during Sukarno's leadership clearly were had a bone to pick.
0: Admittedly, I think they did because Sukarno did act as a balancing act, right? He acted as if on – I think he made a lot of mistakes besides the things that he did for the good. I think there's plenty of those as well, but there are plenty of mistakes that he made. Um, and that the c i a you know f- as shitty as they are about him, you know they tried to create like a fake sex tape about him to discredit him. they did a a whole number of things to attack him, but he did a lot of things that were in the best interests of United States and uh capitalist hegemony, so oh well, ups um, and downs with these guys um but well it and yeah who's to say seems very obviously that the uh the unarmed Communist Party, they were committed to a kind of long term, slow transition towards socialism where they build up popular uh opinion and create a world where they can be, you know, accepted more on the ground. Um, they were not involved. It doesn't seem very likely that they were involved in the coup, which as we would see uh, if they were involved in the coup, it backfired pretty hard. Clearly, Essentially, yeah, the, uh, these people went out into the, these officers largely went out into the islands of Java, Java at first and then out into the other islands saying that the communists had tried to make this coup and that they should come in for questioning. And, and so I'm people- sure the,
1: I'm sure that, I mean, I'm sure that they had the best intentions. They just literally was like, we just want to ask you some questions.
0: Oh, yeah. We just want to ask you some questions. And the people who they ask to do these questions are people like the man who you will find in The Act of Killing, the documentary named Anwar Anwar Congo. He's a previous gangster. He works hand-in-hand with other violent criminals, and he himself personally in these interrogations, which were largely a lot of them overseen by newspapermen, overseen by official – you know, mouthpieces. Uh, he killed over a thousand people. They think. He thinks. This That's not great. People would go in thinking people like teachers, people like union members, people who were a part of women's movements would be like, "Yeah, okay, we'll go in and we'll talk to people. It's fine. We're not involved in any coup. I don't think there's any issue." You know, I mean, it's nineteen sixty
1: five. I'm sure he'll. Uh, I'm sure he'll just be polite.
0: It's nineteen sixty five. If the election hadn't just been kind of postponed, we would have won the election so we're pretty good i think we're in a decent yeah, space well, we'll go in they never come back what out. could
1: possibly go
0: wrong they never come back out <laughs> yeah. it's one of the most terrifying things in the world that people cannot counter what happens when your father who you know is a you know kind of middle of the road leftish person is like yeah i'll just go talk to them they wanted me to talk to them i'm going into the office and you never see him again what happens when you tell and your then neighbor? You go
1: in there, like I want to ask some questions to these people about where my dad went, and you never get seen again.
0: Mm-hmm. It's essentially so. an a, a, an aspect of it's a tactic and a and a campaign of terror that that quells people, that tires people out, that takes away any of their belief that community existed. The United or the 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 communists at this point had men had spent so much time building up community and by by these acts of disappearing they eliminated their opponents eliminated that all of your community all of your community kind of withered away as you just lost people it's terrifying yeah, honestly that's, uh,
1: that's yeah i mean it doesn't sound great that sounds like a uh... The kind of thing that would make me abandon uh, any leftist ideology in the name of just staying home and avoiding people.
0: Yeah, and so there were – there are a lot of very – there are a lot of very horrific um, descriptions of what was done. It was almost systematized, and we see this happen again and again all over the world, which is really why – The author, Vincent Bevins, calls it the Jakarta method. You know, this is copied and replayed elsewhere in Operation Condor and Operation Phoenix all over the world. Whenever they have an anti-communist regime supported by Washington, almost always, as we can tell, in this genocide, there were lists given to these Fort Leavenworth-trained officers, lists of communist members to be eliminated, lists of people to go away who then after their disappearance those officers might receive a little bonus for themselves and the country itself under a new military regime would receive some aid maybe help to build a pipeline that would lead directly into american vessels or help to build a factory that would build uh, make Cheap t-shirts for people in Indiana, you know, that kind of stuff.
1: So kill kill half a million commies and get a bunch of extra uh, sub, sub subjects for capital.
0: Conservatively, <laughs> half a million commies. It's generally That's accepted okay, though, but I that –
1: To be fair, Kyle, to be fair, the communists did kill 400 billion people. True.
0: We've killed everybody in existence like seven times over, so um, – <laughs> It The conservative end is that 500,000 people died and more likely it's somewhere in the one to two million range. Um, the communist, as I said, the PKI had about a quarter of the population, if not in, directly involved in the party, involved in unions or involved in women's movements that were directly involved with the party or affiliated with the party. Um, a lot of these narratives that were being built up about them like there was a narrative that uh the garwani which is a women's movement one of the largest ever in the world uh connected to the communists um that there were garwani witches essentially people going around castrating men castrating good anti-communist men uh and committing horrible blood sacrifice in the name of their communism That doesn't sound like
1: propaganda at all. That's definitely just hard
0: fact. Well, it was replayed in the New York Times as hard fact, so hard to say bad things. We all know there's no such thing as fake news, right? Certainly not in the paper of record. Um, But essentially, they would create these. uh, I I recently re-listened to an interview with uh, Vincent Bevins through. Um, The podcast Chapo Trap House, we all know Chapo. Yeah, ever, um,
1: everyone's ever, – the most famous of the leftist uh, media in right. our country. Dirtbag left
0: talking to a guy who talked about dirtbag shit. Um, essentially, they would create these fantasies, these fantasies of things that they said were being done to them, and then they would commit them on the women of the Gurwani or the union members or the PKI members. Um.
1: Literally just what what kind of torture do we want to do? OK, let's say they did that first so that we have the right to do it.
0: That's exactly cool. what happened. It's terrifying that that's exactly what happened. And it's yeah, only recently a, kind of that we have any of this picture that the – that documents have been released showing that people like Frank Wisner by this point had offed himself. But yeah, other CIA I agents mean, the, – it's
1: the it's the classic case of, well, the CIA did that years ago. We'd never do that kind of stuff now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, that's exactly the thing. People have people memory hold this so fucking hard. They'll remember Iran, they'll remember Guatemala. But if you ask people, where are the involvements in America, the, where are the American involvements in coups across the world? I imagine most people who know a fair amount of this kind of stuff, you know, as somebody off the street, somebody who hasn't paid too much attention but knows a few things, they wouldn't list Indonesia as one of them because it was so effective.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, when we started this recording, I knew none of this stuff. Like I said, I'm a surrogate for the audience here, and uh, clearly their tactics work.
0: Yeah, and they copied these tactics. You know, this was – it was already kind of a, in, a, in an early state – being done in guatemala it was already kind of building up in brazil who had been taken over by a military dictatorship in 1964 uh but the tactic of disappearances was really perfected in the indonesian coup and the mass killings that followed Uh, and we saw it being copied in operation phoenix in vietnam which we know for sure for sure uh conservatively killed about 50,000 people. And Operation Condor in South America, which if you ever see shitty conservatives making helicopter jokes, that's where it's coming from. Pinochet's regime and the uh regime, the anti-communist regime in Argentina uh were very active members of Operation Condor. And they took their playbook from from Indonesia. Uh and so it's it's terror and torture and mass death, you know, it, it compelled once powerful communist parties and, and workers in Indonesia to to run away and flee from their ideological goals in yeah, their own country just, that they 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 had worked so hard to to take yeah, control of.
1: Time to take our uh ha- ha- voting voting levels that are getting to almost majority points and just shut the whole thing down yeah. because otherwise murder.
0: Yeah. Because uh, as as Vincent Bevan said in his interview with Chapo Trap House, the mass murder of innocent civilians was a fundamental part of how the United States won the Cold War. This was a major tactic that we supported. We supported Friends and scare I think me, that it's it something be proud. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
1: yeah, that's messed up.
0: It's pretty despicable. And, and the I'm United sure, States I – mean, I And it's, we
1: probably continue those kinds of tactics to this day to keep our uh, uh, hege- 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 hegemony of capital alive and well.
0: Yeah, it's – it's not um, – it's <sighs> – pretty terrifying to think about honestly um we we will go to and i want to say it again because it's you know i don't think that you know in picking your job or in picking small things if you want to pick the goya brand because it's cheaper and because you need know what you need to make a a, a food something in food you can't really stop yourself from picking the cheapest thing on the fucking shelves at your grocery uh, at your supermarket, you can't. We stop are also yourself.
1: dominated by those same capitalist structures, right? Unless we have any fundamental changes in the system, there's not much you as an individual can do.
0: Right? There's really not much you as an individual can do. But this shows the PKI doing the opposite of that. That the opposite of an individual moralistic argument. This one where they are growing as a group, and the United States will go to whatever. Lengths arming paramilitary groups, arming gangsters to eliminate that threat to their hegemon- hegemonic power, so that's something I think that Americans oftentimes need to reckon with because this is something that is on our hands. We have documents proving that the CIA and the State Department gave Suharto and his men lists lists like the ones that we think of when we think of Nazi Germany. So one of the things that is really hard for a lot of Americans is to separate themselves personally from the crimes of America, to separate themselves on a way that is that is still feeling of those That we have, that we have ended up killing, that we have ended up by our tangential relationship being a part of the murder of, and we shouldn't feel like we actually did the murder. We we shop that out a lot of times to the gangsters in Indonesia. But the fact of the matter is is that we are still of
1: our history.
0: Absolutely, and we are still benefactors, and we should still feel, if not immediately, some kind of impetus. I mean, just to like you should, this system.
1: Just like with many factors of history, just like you should feel pro reparations, you know?
0: Exactly. Yeah. You know,
1: it's, it, there's a lot of things we can look back on and say in the future, we need to do better and fix the, fix the mistakes of the past. Absolutely. But we are at least partially trying to be a comedy podcast. So I'd like to put a little nice wrap up <laughs> on this little bow. Yes. The moral of the story is that unity is scary and bad and will get you murdered. So the best thing you can do is not worry about class consciousness and vote in your midterms to make sure the evil Republicans don't win.
0: This is the best move you can do for your own sanity. Hide, run away, vote every two years. That's it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I think that about wraps up uh, – the history section of this yeah but uh one good news to us going weekly is you also get more regular news so i think we're ready to jump into the
0: modern day and get into the news blast
1: all right so let's kick it off talking about uh this lady elizabeth holmes and her company what she uh she's just some lady who uh She's just some lady who made a bunch of phony blood tests, and she sold them to a bunch of investors. And also, she gave a bunch of false blood test reports to a bunch of actual citizens who, uh, you know, little people. And the little, the real little people, you know, they. Either like they thought they had AIDS or they didn't realize they had some other disease. didn't have AIDS blood tests were phony and bad, and uh, it ruined you know a lot of people. It ruined a lot of individual people's lives, and uh, it also made a couple of investors lose some money. Now she went to court over this because you know oh big deal she made she you know defrauded a bunch of people, and the courts looked at the records and said hmm you are guilty when it comes to all the investors who. It put Who gave you money because money is important. All the people whose lives you ruined, you're not guilty on those counts. Don't worry about mm. it. And that's, uh, that's what happened with Elizabeth Holmes. That's her whole story. Spoiler alert. I guarantee you that she'll still be fine and continue to be a very wealthy person herself.
0: Now, this is the company called Theranos, correct? Correct. <laughs> Theranos was the company. And Theranos, and- to an extent, kind of defrauded the United States government, generally, because it was something that we connected with Obamacare. Am I remembering this yeah, correctly? That's yeah, linked,
1: that, I, that is linked to yes. From okay. the,
0: glad that we did that almost
1: a decade ago. Glad <laughs> Over that, a
0: decade ago, that we shit. did that instead of just yeah. nationalizing healthcare. Cool.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, well, obviously, we've got to go through uh, corporate. Uh, Corporate structures, because if we just try to do it like from our government directly, how would that that even work? Then who would make the money?
0: I'm not saying third parties in a political sense. I'm saying third parties, as in, I need a third party between me and the government to act as a middleman so that they can get their profit. I don't want third parties. I want third party. I want one third party to act as a mediator to make sure that I'm not getting any service for any amount of money that isn't exorbitant.
1: Yeah. So anyway, long story short, it proves that the, our court system does not give a fuck about you as an individual. Because if the exact same trial is brought to them, where it's you're a rich person who had money to do with it, or you're a poor person whose life was just fucked over by it in a general sense, that determines whether or not that the uh, the, uh, the accused is guilty or innocent.
0: I'm innocent because I'm rich. If only, if <laughs> only
1: we could live in that world.
0: I want to be rich so I can be innocent. Now, uh,
1: now on to uh, infrastructure stuff. So you know how we've built back better, and uh, where we've made some of the best roads, and our infrastructure is, you know, just the best. In- the, I mean, the country is as fixed as it's ever going to be, and we've <laughs> proved. And, and we've re- see, recently seen some real proof of just how well, like, rather than public transit, how great it is for everyone to have a car. It's so great because on I ninety five, people spend literally two days trapped on the interstate because of a snowstorm. <sighs> Thank goodness for everyone having their own car
0: i truly i so i ninety five I wasn't thankfully I was not in Virginia where i ninety five is you know the beltway area. I was yeah. not down in the snowstorm, but I do go on i ninety five to get to work in the Philadelphia area and
1: imagine being trapped in your car for just two days straight.
0: I would abandon it. I would abandon it 100%. I would make the problem significantly worse because I would say, fuck this car. I am not caring about this anymore. I am walking over to that Wawa. I'm getting a sandwich and I'm going to take a nap inside instead of in my car. The The fact that this country, which one at one point when we had a much more Not even a better – it wasn't even a better government. But when we had governments that were at least slightly more convinced of their necessity, we had public transit. And the fact that we just destroyed it instead of doing that, the fact that we allowed GM to buy up all the railroads and just tear them up.
1: Yeah. And now cool. we have the worst public transit of any first world country. The fact – Our public transit is on par with our health care at this point.
0: <clears throat> we truly pay as much as we possibly can for the worst possible outcome. As as much as we possibly can to make sure that we have literally the shittiest thing that we can get. Because yeah. we're the consumers of last resort in every respect. We exist to be the slop shovelers and the shovel goes directly into my mouth
1: i mean and in that same vein of oh man cars are great and this is going to work wonderfully and uh traffic jams cannot happen in elon musk's boring tunnels where uh are uh, where his <laughs> cars are all automated yep. and everything is on a perfect rhythm oh traffic jams there too um, go figure what if Weird. we added
0: another lane but underground and there's no way for an ambulance to get to you
1: <laughs> oh yeah no it, Cars are uh quickly becoming the devil, and we need to abandon individual transit in the name of uh, a mass system that gets everyone where they need to go in fraction of the time by the way Fresh. you having your own car doesn't get you there faster no spoiler alert
0: God it doesn't <laughs> no it just gives me a headache and makes my br- makes the air worse. Guys, just take the train. it's so much nicer you can read books on the train. But also
1: Ah. our trains in America suck, and if you live like in – I mean it's bad enough in some of the worst – like metro areas like St. Louis where the public transit's limited. Imagine living in the middle of fucking nowhere where there just is no public transit and go fuck yourself. Yeah,
0: I see. So like my opinion, which is worthless because I'm one person, but the feeling that I get is that, sure, if you live in West Texas, if you live in Colorado – like the ass end of Colorado, if you live farther away from places, yeah, have a four-wheel drive car. And that's the only kind of car that exists. And you know what? Is you share it with your family. You don't need five cars to a family. You know, not every individual child needs a car. Everybody shares it. You know, where do you need to go? You can have like two cars. I think that's fine if you have like a family of seven. Maybe I'm I am mean, coming out on the other side of this, and everybody's gonna get all pissed at me because I like cars. I like I, I like learning I mean, about cars. I, I just don't really I'll be give honest, a shit I, about I'm driving. I am a cars guy.
1: I I in my perfect world, we would completely reappropriate the assets of Jeffrey Bezos and create drone structures. Where if you really needed a ride from A to B, then that was handled uh, by a like if if you were in the middle of ass of nowhere and there wasn't public transit, general public transit available, we create some kind of a drone vehicle structure.
0: I know often there's a question of like, oh, but what about disabled people? And to me, the thought is that like I know that there is – there are places in this world that have transit systems, public transit systems that are accessible to those with disabilities. And I would like to copy that and I would like to provide that for them. But obviously there will be a need – for more specialized transit for those who have more special uh more specialized needs, people who really maybe can't get to the train station on their on their uh you know wheelchair or what what they have um and in that case, you think you you'd maintain some level of roads and some level of public thoroughfares to send one or two or three cars. But not the kind of congestion that we see by everybody having a car. Yeah, Firstly, just, you you would maintain ambulances, you would maintain fire trucks, you would maintain oh yeah, trolleys sure, yeah. and buses, but you would not need four cars to a family. You would not and need I think this. It's,
1: yeah, and I think it's important to note that any of my opinions on the issue are also pretty stupid, probably, and there's probably a much better way to do it. But that's why we should have professional, you know, science minded people. Who is the best interests of mankind at the top of the system rather than
0: Elon people Musk. who are like,
1: how can we turn this into the most money possible?
0: Right. How can I turn my my company about digging holes into also my company about making bad cars that explode?
1: Anyway, but I mean, it's OK. We all need to escape from uh, the, the dark reality of uh, you know our crumbling society. And what better place to do that at, than at the movies where Marvel in 2021 made 30 percent of all movie profits?
0: I hate everything.
1: Monopolies don't exist. Don't worry. There's everything. no monopolies in America. We have laws against them.
0: I hate everything. I know. <laughs> I don't want to do 30% it thirty
1: percent of all movie sales from not even one company, one subsidiary, because Marvel is owned by <sighs> Disney, as we all know. So, just imagine what percent Disney made of all box office if you factor in all the other stuff they own.
0: I'm gonna say forty-nine. I'm thinking probably 49. close to fifty, yeah. probably
1: very close to fifty.
0: <laughs> forty-nine, just like forty-nine point eight, like a like a strong, just to make sure that like it's a legally strong not democratic showing yeah. in a general election. It's forty-nine point eight. <laughs>
1: Oh, um, uh, but yeah, we don't have monopolistic companies. Don't worry no, about it. We don't believe. It I here.
0: want to say something that I can't, so I won't. But redacted, 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 redacted and redacted. also in Minecraft. There should not be a place called Disney, and there should not be a company.
1: Disney has Disney has always been evil, and they show that. I mean, look at they were they were they weren't even subtle about it. If you look back into the nineteen forties and fifties, their cartoons were literally like, "Let's just do some blackface." Yeah, let's
0: just do some blackface and some anti-Semitism, and not yeah, the anti-Semitism that we're normal. accusing Emma Watson of—real anti-Semitism.
1: <laughs> By the way, yeah, in solidarity to Emma Watson. Way to
0: keep Hell doing yeah. awesome Hell stuff. Hell
1: yeah! yeah. She's As far as cele- celebrities go, her, John Boyega, there's a couple other ones out yeah. there who are actually no, good Emma folks. Emma Watson,
0: uh, Stone Cold Fox, great actress, and also uh, in solidarity with the people of Palestine. Great stuff from her.
1: Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, but, I, uh,
0: obviously, what do you expect from uh, – I'm not going to complain about what she's done. So just anybody who has any criticisms – good for you yeah i mean I oh guess. yeah we whatever. all know that
1: the harry we all know harry potter stuff yeah it's evil but i mean yeah, hey, i did harry I like, potter whatever I, I still like the books and yeah the, books the movies fine. were fine the movies, yeah. I mean, well, you say that, Kyle. You've never read a single one of never them. Never read it.
0: I read the very first one, and it also had the anti Semite thing in it. So, I the, guess I mean, my... yeah,
1: the goblins were definitely. I mean, the go- goblins have always been anti Semite figures. Yeah. And I think it's hilarious that we all just look at J.K. Rowling and say, oh, well, she's just copying other goblins. Like, yeah, but she was, she knew what she was writing when she wrote it. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're copying other people, you need to take a step back and say,
0: also, she hmm, we know this that could she's be an... a problem. Also, we know she's a turf. So, it's yeah, like, now, now
1: we know who she is now. Let's see. Yeah. When she, and to be fair, it's hard. It's a little harder to judge maybe when she was like, you know, a broke ass single mother with no, you know, future prospects. But now two. she's a multi billionaire. It's a lot easier to look back and say, you could have made some better decisions.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, it's okay. But yeah, Emma Watson being out pro Palestine, that was awesome. That was a – Anytime anybody
0: is openly pro-Palestine, I think that's something to support.
1: Yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, good that people are getting back out into the movies, back out into the world because that means that we can find new ways for corona to hybrid with other diseases. And the new one that the media is blowing up about is flu-rona where you get – you know how you're shitting and coughing and dying because of corona? And now you're also shitting and coughing and dying because of the flu and it's just – Double.
0: What if you had Double. horrible that pneumonia that was compounded by a disease that attacks your DNA? Love that. Yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we basically just embraced COVID into the culture at this point. It's going to be, hey, I've got a little COVID, but I've still got to go into work. You know, that's mm-hmm. – that's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's the next flu. It's the next cough, you know, common cold. It's just part of life now. And uh, y'all better get on board or you're going to starve to death because of capital. That. so aren't we all happy here big happy family Super
0: happy to be in the richest country in the history of the world yeah
1: but meanwhile let's just real quick to wrap us up unless you have i mean i think you've got some a new story here too but uh real quick on my last one we're gonna take a trip overseas to belgium where meanwhile over there they are no longer allowed to your managers are no longer allowed to call you after hours that is a legal offense Ugh.
0: i got a i got a text message the other day Nine o'clock at night. Hey man, uh, I need you to at, to talk to you about this work. Can you call me? And I was like, in the morning. Imagine
1: if that. If imagine if you could like report that to the police and say, "Hey, my manager did this," and then he'd get a fine.
0: That sounds awesome. Yeah. Oh man, that would rule.
1: <laughs> Just show that text message to some cop, and he's like, "Oh, I better go talk to him."
0: Dude, in the Soviet Union. The boss had to prove so much shit before they could fire you. I want that. Uh, Yeah. Man, I want to go be in the Soviet Union. One of the things that drives me insane, and this it's only tangential to what you've mentioned, but the kind of worker protections that exist— in, in America? Well, not in America. You know, I'm just... in, in the DDR, in the East Germany, in the Soviet Republic that dominated there until 1989. You had your work capped. You, you had your rent capped at 5% of your monthly income. And these motherfuckers gave it up for jeans is what I've been told. Is they were like, man, I just really love denim, and I'm gonna give up all of my worker protections. You know, I've been my rent's been capped at five percent of my income. I've been uh, taken total care of on a medical and a job security section, but how am I supposed to live without my Levi's?
1: I mean, it's it's uh, it's kind of like the same mentality of, oh, you know, it's nice to have all of my basic needs met and all that, sure, but. You know, I'd really give it up for some Pringles. Give it all, all up for Pringles <laughs> and Doritos.
0: Yeah, I would definitely send the world into a spiral of doom and climate disaster just for a can of salty potatoes.
1: Not even potato chips. They can't call them potato chips. They have to call them crisps because they're not legally <laughs> chemically close enough to potato. Ugh. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyways, that's – and that's essentially what America is, is, yeah, we give up all of our freedoms of being a decent person, but you get the freedom of having access to all the most useless junk you could ever hope
0: for. Mm-hmm. So, Real freedom, yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: aren't you proud to lo- proud to be an American?
0: I'm proud. At least you know you're free. I- <laughs> all those people who have died for me. Good yeah, for them. Yeah, I do have it's one, right. one yeah, you have thing one here to the... mention before we leave, and it is thankfully good news. Um, people in some corners of what may or may not be called the left, some people think that student workers, TAs and the like, are not necessarily part of whatever might be called the proletariat. And – That is a conversation that can be had at a later time because right now collective bargaining has succeeded for the student workers union at Columbia University. That is something that we should be very happy about. Yeah, anytime
1: solidarity leads to uh, an improvement in the life of – and basically anyone except for the one (laughs) percent
0: yes if you see somebody organizing if it's in a work sector that you aren't a part of if it's in a union that you don't think is exactly perfect if you see them tell something to the boss that the boss doesn't like and they end up winning you should be happy about that and in this sense we are happy that maybe what some might call a bourgeois or a pmc job people who are organizing inside a white collar institution
1: this is controversial maybe but i support people who have six figures because (laughs) they're still part of the lower classes in the big picture i don't
0: care what the the i mean you know whatever money is money and that does change some things but the fact of the matter is is that they work as you know they offer their work for wages and they are a part of the working subjects and yes they work in new york and so they're a bit more privileged in some ways than others but like let's be honest any collective bargaining agreement that works in favor of the people who are lower on that totem pole and have gotten something out of it should be Good. And so they've collected, these student workers of Columbia, these TAs, these PhD students, these master's students, they have won up to 30% raises by organizing. They've gotten a dental insurance plan. They've gotten a dental insurance plan where 75% of the premium is covered. That's insane. They have a right to a full neutral third party arbitration in cases. As opposed to arbitration established by the university itself, and they have won the unit recognition of the student union. So that is something that should be – that's something that should be accepted and praised. I don't care if they're bourgeois in their ostensibilities because you have some kind of cultural affiliation with universities in your head. It doesn't matter because the most important thing is that people who were – who were being exploited, student workers in this are case. Are being
1: exploited less, yeah.
0: Are ex- being exploited less and, more importantly, unionizing, grouping together, and working together so that they can be exploited less. That's the important yeah, part. yeah,
1: essentially being against, being against that group would be basically saying, I think all those things that they get, no, we should let the extremely excessively wealthy asshole who actually runs the show – keep all that
0: money in power it'd be insane to shit on this I, so i yeah. again i understand that there is maybe some argument against white collar workers being considered part of the labor movement but in this case just leave it aside we are in Take such a low we here in this, yeah we're such in a low ebb country.
1: any 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 time we can see i mean and obviously it's not it's great. It's not. I mean, yes. Obviously, the Kellogg's thing was better because that was actually blue collar workers, you know. But yeah, yeah. Why yeah. would you not? Yeah. Why would you shit on a good
0: thing? No, I, I think that it's fair. And it, uh, after we spoke, I went and looked at the Kellogg stuff, and it looks fantastic for those people. They should have been paid, obviously, for the time they lost. Yeah, I mean, but they
1: could like, have, yeah, could it, it, it should have been, been better. better but but like, honestly, I was not expecting as good as they got.
0: They got something. But that just shows what and solidarity. So did, can get you. Yes, and so did these student workers, and so. Don't let so people make you feel bad about supporting white-collar unions. Sure, a union is a union. A union's a union. I mean, sometimes they suck, and sometimes they're run by. Speaking corporate of uh, unions, I mean, tricks, I mean, this isn't but, really
1: hard news yet, but there's a lot of talk that the union Starbucks is getting a uh, kind of berated by the uh, corporate structure. Oh, it's getting kind of get a shit it, it sounds like there's there's talk that even corporate might just shut that starbucks down but I that's it. all not really news news yet that's hypothetical i so. believe
0: it though howard howard <laughs> um or what's his fucking name i keep trying to think howard stern but this guy this howard ran for fucking president two years ago i can't even remember three years ago jesus god
1: back when 2019 back when uh you know the world was still fucked <laughs>
0: still fucked but differently still yes. differently fucked
1: The world is always fucked, and will continue to be that way for probably our lifetimes. Even after, yeah.
0: Even after we, and I'm going to say this because otherwise I'll go insane. I, I I constantly am insane. But even after we inevitably succeed, because I'm just going to say that right now, we're inevitably going to succeed saying that because i need to hear it put
1: it in the universe
0: throwing it out there manifesting this shit after we inevitably succeed the world's still going to be fucked and we're going to need to keep working on it and right now because if we if we ever stop stop
1: acknowledging that the world is fucked that's when the world will go back into being fucked yep yep so that's why it's always always uh that's why to fuck the world a little less.
0: That's why it's so much of a brain disease to see people with the memories of goldfish just saying that Dick Cheney's a great dude. And oh yeah, I guess we didn't cover that. Great. This might, this I think is, that again, is some, not really news. You know,
1: January sixth was over a year ago now, and yeah. we all love Dick Cheney because he's like, oh, these bad Trump Republicans are the bad Republicans, and I'm such a good guy.
0: Yeah, I definitely
1: didn't, you know, commit mass murders and start a uh, right start one of the most evil war crime structures of uh, our nation's history.
0: I didn't shoot my friend in the face with buckshot and then also, you know, kill a million Iraqis. Um, (laughs) I think that it's
1: every single, and it was, okay. So he was there with just the other democratic senators and they all just shook his hand. Like you are a great man. These are our Democrats folks. That's who they are. Good guys are like pro Dick Cheney. Who
0: they are. Nancy Pelosi. I, I know people might forget this, but she was in Congress. She was actually oh. during a Bush administration. The she was in the room where it the happens. House.
1: Which is extra funny because they invited the Hamilton crew on to uh. speak at the January. She was in the room where it happens. Oh, okay, anyway, sorry. That was just funny Anyhow, to me.
0: People other than us will talk about January 6th, which is a it's already been
1: big fucking deal. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. B F fucking D. I don't. Whatever. Other people are going to take care of this. The only thing that it's. Yeah. Serves to, to Pod me save if you want. This... An yeah. Hour long expose. Watch, pod <laughs> Save or somebody else who is smarter than them will make some kind of retrospective that is less stupid. Uh, I, I honestly all it does to me is to tell me exactly how stupid everyone is just like the Russia gate stuff eventually did for me. So Whatever.
1: All right. Well, um, there is some good news, though. Solidarity does work. We've seen evidence of it in two different cases now with Kellogg's and the student union. Mm -hmm. And we should uh, continue to push for it, push for love and solidarity.
0: Love and solidarity, y'all. It can be told in few enough words.
1: We are not certain of his intentions even yet. They talk i